From Iowa Valley Resource Conservation and Development, this is Growing for Good, a three-part audio series about the creation of the Grow Johnson County program and the history of the land on which it operates. I'm Jonathan Lack, and welcome to Part 2, The Johnson County Historic Poor Farm. As we heard in the previous episode, Grow Johnson County is located on the historic Poor Farm, just at the edge of Iowa City on Melrose Avenue. Grow now fills five acres out of a total 160 on the farm. The Poor Farm is a significant historical landmark, and it isn't mere coincidence that this is where Grow Johnson County does its work cultivating fresh fruits and vegetables for the food insecure or educating the community and aspiring farmers on skills and best practices. There's a real meaning to this work being done in this place, and GROWS isn't the only mission that intersects with the historic import of this site. I spoke with Ayman Sharif, founder of the Global Food Project, an immigrant-focused community farm initiative that works alongside Grow Johnson County on the poor farm space. And I loved hearing what he had to say when I asked him about the legacy and present-day impact of this place on the community and the work being done there. I know for sure that it helps or it uh, resonates and um, pronounces the need of the poor or the needy persons to a place uh, that takes us back to the history of, of, the, of the poor farm itself, which is just like a, a history of a place where people in need do, during uh, rough times was a, a center of, of a focal point where people really gathered uh, and enriched their social and community connection. And indeed, this is what we're trying to do. And, and, and the county is doing just like really a great job by um, enabling this to happen and uh, use it as a tool to regenerate this spirit, you know, the spirit of uh, connection, the spirit of support and connectedness between, between the various groups of the community, especially the needy persons. We're going to hear more from Iman in the next episode as we look at some of the other projects taking place alongside Grow Johnson County at the Poor Farm. For this episode, we're going to dig into that history he mentioned and talk about what it has to teach us as a community today. Let's start with the basics. What is a Poor Farm? If you're anything like me, you might not have heard about these institutions, even though they were widespread in the American Midwest from the mid-19th century. To learn more, I spoke with Rod Sullivan, the longest-serving member of the Johnson County Board of Supervisors, and a guy who's got a great ear for history. Counties uh, in and of themselves uh, come to us from England, and the counties were really charged with two primary functions. Now, they sometimes took on other things, but the two primary functions were roads and caring for uh, what they would have called the indigent. And that's what county government did. So as settlers began to spread west, one thing they were required to do was to set up a, a poor farm. And the idea was that you would, would work and pay for your own keep, essentially, through your efforts on the farm. In the very beginning, the people who were there were many and varied. And, and so some of the folks today we would recognize as people uh, who had mental illness, we would recognize them as people who uh, were born with physical disabilities. We would recognize them as people with intellectual disabilities. 
And sometimes it was just people who had been orphaned, were poor, widows, sometimes elderly. So really anybody that was struggling to to get by in this kind of, uh, you know, He-Man Western uh, movement, the, uh, the county was there to provide for them. And the way that they provided was through the poor farm. Despite growing up in the Midwest, I had never heard about poor farms before working on this project. But I had definitely heard about their institutional predecessor, and I bet you have too. They were called poor houses, and to truly put the poor farm in context, you have to understand what they were innovating against. Well, they grew out of the attempts in Europe to deal with chronic poverty, as well as dealing with people with mental illnesses. And so it kind of came out of the old poorhouse, uh, which has a lot of really bad connotations because some were good and some were really bad. That's Leah Rogers, the owner and principal investigator of Tallgrass Archaeology. And she wrote the National Register of Historic Places application that helped make the Johnson County Poor Farm a nationally recognized historic site. In that document, she explains how poor farms grew, quote, out of a larger social movement of the day, striving to provide more dignified and humane treatment for the poor and insane. The negative connotations she mentioned surrounding poorhouses were well-earned. Abuses were, quote, widespread and well-documented, resulting in poor diet and grueling, dangerous working conditions. Like modern-day prisons, they were expensive to operate and had no tangible impact in reducing poverty or other negative social conditions in their communities. With this in mind, the poor farm system is best understood as a progressive development for its time. Here's Leah Rogers again. As for the poor, what was progressive about the county poor farm system was that by making it into a working farm, the idea was, number one, to make it self-sufficient and not be a burden on the county money-wise. And the second was to give people a purpose in life. And I think in that respect, it worked very well. You know, I did interview one person who grew up in that system uh, he came to the poor farm as an orphan. He was very sad when they closed the farming operation down because it gave his life a purpose. Uh, now, there were people who felt that, you know, they were being exploited because they weren't being paid. But his view was that he was paying his way because he was making a contribution. The man Leah spoke just now about interviewing is Melvin Dvorsky. He was born in 1943 near Solon, Iowa, and came to the Johnson County Poor Farm in 1962 after the death of his mother. He lived and worked on the farm for 26 years, and a lot of what we know about the functions of specific buildings and the day-to-day -day minutia of life on the farm comes from his accounts. Dvorsky primarily worked in the Dairy Barn, which was built in the 1910s and still stands on the present-day historic site. He woke every day at 4.30 a.m. to milk 32 cows, and with the help of three other residents who worked under his supervision, they processed 30 gallons of milk for daily use in the county home, with the rest sold to Twin County Dairy in Kelowna. He spent his free time writing letters, walking in the garden, and doing his rosary. In the National Historic Places application, Leah Rogers writes, It was very hard for him to adjust when residents were no longer allowed to do the farm work. He commented that the change was not good because the whole concept of the poor farm was to provide the sick and the poor, and those who could not care for themselves, a place to live and to work, to have a productive life. 
He did not feel exploited by having to work because he benefited in so many ways from the fruits of his labor. Dvorsky had to leave the facility in 1988 when he no longer qualified for the Chatham Oaks program. He was quick to note how much he missed his old life at the poor farm. He would seem to be a testament to what could be right and good about the poor farm system in Iowa. This is a sentiment I heard from a lot of voices while researching this series. One person who agrees that there are some positive lessons to learn from the old poor farm model is Jason Grimm, the deputy director of Iowa Valley Resource Conservation and Development. As a farmer myself, I think the thing that I really value the most about the farm is that you know people were able to live there and interact and develop skills that they may have not have had and take with them later if they did ever leave the farm. They were able to contribute back to society, to the greater community where they lived. I believe there is kind of a healing, helps relieve maybe stress and other things in, in individuals' lives by just getting outdoors and growing food and getting your hands dirty as a way of, of doing that. Indeed, the goal of the poor farm was to create self-sustaining institutions where residents could learn skills and feel a sense of purpose and dignity by working the land and providing for their own food and resources through farming. The Johnson County poor farm, with its 160 acres, was by the standards of the time quite successful, not only sustaining itself but consistently turning a small profit through its farming operations. In 1863, only eight years after the Poor Farm's founding in 1855, the farm reported a profit of more than $500, which would equate to roughly $10,000 today. And it was a big operation. Modern Iowans who only see farming from afar are probably most familiar with our contemporary, large-scale corn and soybean farms. If that's the case, the sheer variety of crops grown and livestock raised on the Poor Farm may prove shocking. In January of 1900, for instance, the farm reported inventory of, deep breath, 1,400 bushels of oats, 2,800 bushels of corn, 15 tons of straw, 20 bushels of beans, 10 bushels of parsnips, 2 barrels of sauerkraut, 175 squash, 60 tons of coal, 3 sets harness, 700 bushels of potatoes, 600 tons of hay, 30 bushels of onions, 350 heads of cabbage, 20 bushels of turnips, 1.5 barrels of pickles, 300 oak posts, 23 cords of wood, and 20 bushels of seed corn. They also had a great deal of livestock, including 14 milch cows, 9 two-year-old steers, 16 spring calves, 22 fat hogs, 9 two-year-old heifers, 8 heifers, 1 bull, 2 horses, 1 mule, 40 turkeys, 8 ducks, 1 stock hog, and 500 chickens. Whew. One of the ways Grow Johnson County continues this legacy is through crop diversity and rotation. On five acres, they're not producing at the same scale the poor farm did in 1900, but with 30 to 40 varieties of crops grown each season, and all for the benefit of the poor and food insecure, it's one of the many ways the work being done at the poor farm shows how alive and vibrant this history continues to be. Times have, of course, changed in all sorts of ways. And while the poor farm has positive lessons to teach us today, it also bears scars and warnings. I mean, it's fitting for the, the historic poor farm to evolve in the way that it has, I think. There is a lot of historical trauma embedded within the, the poor farm. And I think that the direction that it's taken in recent years is slowly trying to rebuild some of those historical wrongs. And I think that 
Grow Johnson County is playing our own role in through our mission in, in providing sustenance, the, that healthy food back into the community to people that might, might otherwise not have access. That's Jake Kundert, Food Systems Director at Iowa Valley RCND, and that historical trauma he speaks about is quite real. Our understanding of mental health treatment has, of course, significantly evolved since this system was instituted, and much of what went on at the poor farm would strike us now as horrifying or cruel. Several people I spoke to took time to mention the asylum building, which still stands and can be visited by the public. Dan Hogan, the Grow Johnson County volunteer we heard from in the last episode, was one of them. I think it's nice to see the historic poor farm preserved. Uh, I don't know if you've been to the building where they used to house people who were insane, you know, that was a word for it back then. You can't see it on audio, but Dan was using air quotes when he mentioned the word insane here, and he's right. Insane was indeed the blanket word at the time to describe all sorts of mental illnesses and disabilities. They sort of locked them up almost like a jail, but it's uh, pretty moving to look at that building and see how they were treated. You know, it's very sad. It's an eye-opener to see the conditions they lived in. Uh, But I think over the years, the Johnson County home or Johnson County poor farm has really served the great purpose for the county and continues to do so today and I'm glad that they're preserving the barn and some of the other buildings and uh, keep that for people to see and uh, understand how it was used back when. The asylum building is indeed disturbing. With little understanding of mental health or ability to truly treat underlying conditions, the quote-unquote insane were kept in what Leah Rogers described to me as a sort of frontier jail, wooden frame cells with no insulation that got very hot in the summer and extremely cold in the winter. Those facilities improved over time, but the ability to truly help this part of the population get better just wasn't there at the poor farm. And Dan's point about understanding this complicated history by encountering it in these preserved spaces is an important one. There's a lot we can and indeed must learn from legacies like those of the historic poor farm, both positive and negative. Well, there's there's always that danger of forgetting what what has come before and then repeating the same mistakes of the past. And having this as a post now again as a working place, but as an interpreted historic site, you know, is that attempt to to shine the light on this history, not necessarily to sanitize that history, but to show what really happened and to try and understand how we evolved from there and what the root of this is. Rod Sullivan made a similar point when I asked him about the value of working to keep this piece of Johnson County's history alive. I think first and foremost, it is historical. And I think that everything we do today is influenced by what happened yesterday. You know, I'm a big history fan. So I, I do I do think it's important to have an understanding of your history. Hopefully over the course of that 100 and gosh, 180 years, you know, we're doing it now in a, in a respectful manner where we value the people much more than they did then. And, and we value the work, hopefully, much more than they did then. And we value the, the product more than they did then.
It struck me, talking to Rod and thinking about the history of the poor farm and the good it does our community today, how little I myself think about local politics, even though I'm someone who, like many of us today, is intensely tuned in to the national political conversation. Before meeting Rod, I wouldn't have been able to tell you the names of anyone on Johnson County's Board of Supervisors, but it's clear to me that work is really important and says a lot about our values and priorities as a community. I asked Rod about this directly, wanting to know, in his words and from his experience, why people should pay attention to the work being done on local land and development in their communities. We can, I think we can even draw a historical uh, line through this. You know, back in 1840, I mean, anything that happened there, I mean, that was that was done done in our names, right? We we are the the people, and that's always been a big thing to me with politics. Hopefully, the things that happen here are something that Jonathan feels proud of. You know, you I mean, you live here, so I want you to feel good about them. Doesn't mean we'll always agree on everything, but I want you to also feel like whether you like something or don't, that you'll communicate that with us. I think Rod makes a really good point here. And getting ourselves acquainted with our local government here in Iowa City can start with something as simple as going and visiting the historic poor farm and seeing what's been preserved and what work, like Grow Johnson County, is going on there today. Getting involved in your local history and finding out what values are being preserved and promoted through projects like these. In the case of Johnson County, this is definitely one initiative I'm very proud and impressed to see undertaken in our own backyard. In the next and final episode, we'll be talking more about other programs that intersect with Grow Johnson County at the historic Poor Farm and take a look forward to hear from many of the folks we've interviewed so far about what they want to see from this project in the future. Many thanks to Iman Sharif, Rod Sullivan, Leah Rogers, Jason Grimm, Jake Kundert, and Dan Hogan for speaking with us on this episode. Growing for Good, the story of Grow Johnson County, is written and produced by me, Jonathan Lack, for Iowa Valley Resource Conservation and Development. Visit us on the web at www.iowavalleyrcd.org. You can see more about the Johnson County Historic Poor Farm online at jchistoricpoorfarm.com. And if you want to learn more about Grow Johnson County, make a donation, or get involved, visit www.growjohnsoncounty.org. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you.